Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done great things. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. <laughs> Cannell and Bell from the World Congress Center here on Radio Row. Super Bowl week in Atlanta. We're getting to that point, Raja. Yeah. Where I feel like this show should be sponsored by Advil. <laughs> because the throb, that you is, the throb is real. <laughs> and it's also, if you notice, when you're walking around or you're watching the different shows that are out here today, just listen to the voices. They're a little bit more hoarse. Yeah. Oh, yeah a little yeah. bit more struggle in them. And you can always tell, like, who had the most fun the night before sure. by the, the hoarseness in the voice. Um, so we're doing all right. Like, we're not hurting that bad. But we did have a good time last no, night. No, like you, your schedule is a lot more packed than mine. There's much more responsibility. I'm basically chilling in my hotel room until I get a call that it's dinner time. So like, right. I, I'm feeling pretty rested right now. Yeah, you got you got nice nap time. Yeah, I was out there. Out. But we did go out with the crew last night. We had about 40 people from CBS Sports HQ that went out for dinner. Sure. But the topic of conversation throughout the night was your diet. Like there is a photo uh. going around, making its rounds on the internet of you. At nice Mexican restaurant, yeah. good food, yeah. and you ordered a bowl of rice. Listen, that was what you ate—a bowl of rice. Uh, a nice bowl of Mexican rice is very <laughs> underrated. Like it's very underrated. Yeah, I got this quirky diet. I can't get into it on air. It would take the whole, it would take the whole show <laughs> yeah. to really dissect what I do and what I don't eat. But suffice to say, I'm a difficult eater. Like yeah. the women, the women. There's my- a picture. Look at that. That's a great photo right there. Like it's look, you look like you're thoroughly enjoying that that yeah. bowl of rice right there. I needed something to soak up the tequila. Like I was, <laughs> yes. I, I had an empty belly. Yes, that's good. The chips and salsa were outstanding. Yes, the guac was the guac, I, was, the guac fantastic. was fantastic. Spicy jalapeno margarita was outstanding. You had one, right? I had two of those. Yeah, okay, I went back did. and was mixing it last night. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, but it was a good time. Came back to the hotel. We didn't close it down, but we had a good time. Yeah, it was, it was good fun. time. It was, it was fun. Tonight, last night It was night a warm-up, too. It was yeah, like, exactly. it just getting started. Tonight's our last night in town. Yeah. Tonight's when it goes down. That's my prediction. Nap. I need a nap right after I this. need a nap, too, yeah. but I don't think I'm going to get it because I'm so busy. I'll take I'll, one for you. I'll get yours and mine. <laughs> yeah, you'll be <laughs> resting up for me. I'm going to rest over the weekend. When I get back home, it's that's overrated. when I'll fall asleep. Uh, you know who else is going to need some nap uh, time after yesterday's uh, news that came out? It's Roger Goodell. Because he finally came out, did his kind of State of the Union address for the NFL. And, of course, one of the biggest issues that he was asked about right away was the call, the non-call at the end of the Saints-Rams game. The way he answered it, I could have answered it. Like yeah. I was like, duh, of course he's going to say that. So he admitted there was a blown call. He said we're going to consider replay. But I thought one of the things that came out that was pretty interesting was he said he, he talked to Peyton. He talked to Sean Peyton, and he talked to some, some players on the Saints. And so he said, like, basically he already had talked to them and admitted there was a non-call. Sean Payton did say he had the Al River on call him right after the game. But players are coming out, and they're talking to each other like, hey, did he talk to you? Right. And they're like, no, did he talk to you? And they're saying he didn't talk to him. I don't know if he's one of these situations where he's going to get in trouble for saying anything or if anybody exposes him for not calling him. But even still, I don't feel like he owes it to the players, but why would you even say that you talked to them if you never did? Yeah, that's it, like, <laughs> I don't know why I feel like this about Roger Goodell, but I just feel like he's the dude that gets it wrong. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yes. I don't know. I don't, I'm not throwing any shade, but he just gets it wrong. Like, that's there's an easy way to do that. If you didn't talk to anybody, don't <laughs> say you talk to anybody, right? And we've had this debate as to whether or not he owes an apology. Like, I think that he owed at least owning up to the fact that they're aware a mistake was made. 
I don't know that you have to apologize to anyone in, in, for anything. Like, it, to your point, uh, there's human error involved in this, right? And that's, that's kind of part of what you get when you're playing a sport. Uh, but again, dude, how hard is it to just, like, if you didn't talk to a player, right. don't get up there and say you talked to a player. It's an right. easy thing. Right, because you're going to get, now I get, when you're doing a press conference, you're up there talking for a while. Because he was. He gave, it was no, a long no, time. No, he was no, up no, there talking. no, 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 you're not no, giving him an excuse. No, there's you're not no giving excuse. it to him. Listen, bro, if you, <laughs> yes, it, like you can get caught up in what you're saying at times, lose your train of thought. Sometimes, like it happens to me on the show. Like I'm not, right. like, you know, I'm learning. But fundamentally, you're lying. <laughs> don't lie. If you're, don't get up there and lie. I think the bigger issue with it, and this is an issue I think Roger Goodell has with the players, and he works for the owners. Let's be clear. He doesn't work for the, he works for the owners. It is the NFL, but we've talked about this a lot. The NBA has more of a partnership feel yeah. with the players and the owners. They all want the, the league to succeed where there's way more friction. I think it's been put on the back burner a lot this season. Just you that the anthem issue's kind of gone away, so the players haven't been as vocal being upset at Roger Goodell. But historically, over the last five years, you have seen the players respect for Roger Goodell erode away slowly and slowly, where now they openly crush him all the time. This year, not as much, but perfect example, Sean Payton is talking yesterday, and he's wearing a shirt underneath his zip, you know, three-quarter zip, that has a Everybody assumes now because you can kind of look at the color and you can see the little top of the shirt that it's Roger Goodell's face with a clown on it. Like that would never happen in the NBA. Could you imagine if that happened in the NBA? I could not imagine. I, I, I couldn't imagine that. Like even happening in the NFL. So I'm, I, like, I need to see the picture. But like my question to you is, how is? I get he doesn't work for the players, but this is a like a this is a a relationship that everyone benefits from, right? Like this this is a business that we're in together. If if he is viewed. Like that, how can he continue to do that job? How when is his contract through? Like how long is he up for for a renewal of he contract? Just is did. He... He's making forty mil a year, and that's the thing. So the somebody owners, likes what he's doing. The, the owners, owners are owners cool with it because yeah. everybody's making money. They're saying the league revenues are going to be up to like twenty seven billion dollars in a few years. Like they're all saying we're making money. And the thing I think the owners like about it is that. He is the guy that just takes the beating. He's the from fall there. Guy, he huh? just gets bashed by everybody. It's worth forty mil. Yeah, I would do it. Yeah. I'd say, hey, I'll do whatever. I'll go up and give press conferences yeah. and give answers that nobody likes, right. and take it for forty million too. Uh, Michael Thomas tweeted out like right after the the press conference, he ain't talked to us. That's <laughs> like, fantastic. It's like they call him out for what they're doing. The other part of the the press conference was that he did. So when once he got that past that, he did say they would consider they would look at instant replay. Again, we talked about this a lot. I think it's a slippery slope that you go down. If you start getting into judgment calls like pass interference, like holding, potential non-calls, I think they need to be really, really careful because if they open up, I think it'll slow the game down. Right. I think it'll just come to a screeching halt, and I don't think that's what the NFL needs right now. Uh, I've got mixed emotions on it. Like I, I don't know that you want that through the entirety of a game because, like, to your point, uh, you, you wind up with a situation where – you know, you're, you are chopping the game up. But what about like the last two minutes? Would you have a big deal, well, like a big problem? And they said they were going to disincentivize you from doing it. If you, if you tried to contest a judgment call or you put your red flag out or whatever and then you were incorrect, you're either penalized or time comes off the clock or something like that. That's like, probably what they'll do. And I guess I would be okay with that. But let me ask you as an NBA player, yeah. if there was a last second, you know, play, LeBron James in the finals, he drives down the lane and Kevin Durant looks like he got his hand and a foul, but it wasn't called. 
and everybody's in uproar, and yet there's an official that can buzz down and say, hold on, that was a foul. Would you want that in the NBA? What team am I on? <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're playing with LeBron, <laughs> you want him team. to get the call. Yeah, no, it would it would fundamentally change the way you Everything. play it. Yeah, 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 for sure. See, that's why I don't think they should do it, because even on some of those calls, pass interference calls, a lot of times there's contact, and you may be able to call it, but it's really not that bad. And if they open up that Pandora's box, there's going to be somebody that says, hey, let's look at the replay. And they might look at it and say, well, it wasn't enough contact. And then you go down this road where everything's going to get called. No, and we're look, already at this offensive game. Like, it's just going to make things harder on the defensive I'm backs. generally, I'm with you. Uh, like, you don't want Pandora's box, slippery slope, whatever cliche you want to use. Once <laughs> that happens, like, you, there's no telling where it goes. Um, and generally in sports, period. When you're looking at football uh, plays after the snap or basketball plays, you could call a, a violation on anything happening out there at any given time. Right. There is a foul in basketball, five different spots on the floor, every possession, if you wanted to call it, right? Yep. I'm, like, I, I watch youth football. There's a hold on every play. Like, you could call something if you were inclined to do so on every single play. If you're going to open it up for boosts to come in and, and be stopping it, like, you don't know where that stops. I was talking to Danny Amendola yesterday, and he had an idea that he took from international soccer where if you had the league officers watching in, say, New York City at their you know headquarters and they had an official design there that could specifically buzz for really egregious calls like that one. Right. Again, I just think it, it gets shady because what we might think is an egregious call, they don't, yeah, or vice versa. Like, it's just, it becomes really clouded on those things. Uh, Goodell went on to say, officials are human. It's a play that should be called. Of course it should. Speaking of Sean Payton, so he came out and gave his press conference in that shirt. I'll have to show you the picture of it because it's really like, you're assuming it's the shirt underneath and everybody kind of knows it is. It's the shirt with Roger Goodell with the clown on his face. And then he's got the golf kind of pullover over yeah. it. I don't know. I, th- I thought it still looks petty for the Saints to be complaining this much. I'm kind of over it. The thing I don't have a problem with at all is he said, like, how did he deal with it? He said he watched Netflix, ate ice cream, and stayed inside and just slept, like, for three days straight. <laughs> I don't have any problem with that. Like, it was a tough loss. Yeah, it was a depressing loss. But, like, to loss. go out there and troll the commissioner and to still bring it up, just like, it just looks petty for a guy who has a Super Bowl under his belt, who's been one of the most, you know, successful coaches that are currently coaching right now i just think it looks beneath him to be out there wearing a t-shirt trolling roger goodell from all that you've told me about sean payton and his interaction with players and the garbage talk and all of that type of stuff that he gets into it's not surprising but i agree with you that it's a bad look like you, as, a, as a city as a fan base like being disappointed and and all of that is understandable but at this you gotta move on like the super bowls in two days three days like it's you're not in it it's over um and and, and it is a bad look especially for you know, or organizationally, if I'm if I'm his owner or I'm his general manager, like I, I'm having a conversation with you today. Like, yeah, like listen, Sean, I get it, man. We're all let down by that. Like, that, but Gail Benson, the owner, is the one writing public letters and putting them out there, saying the league needs yeah. to look at this, and we've been hosed. Like, basically, that was essentially what she was saying. Right. We should look at loss, you know, specific legal action. Like, the whole franchise has taken this way too far. I think I don't know. It's just it's gone too far, in my opinion. What's going to get really awkward? And I thought it was a little bit weird that Sean Payton got called after the game by Al Riveron. Like, I thought that was kind of over the top. And yet, like, he got called. But he's a member of the competition committee. He's one of the most tenured coaches. Like, if that happened to Sean McVay or one of these younger coaches or only, you know, head coach for a year or two, I don't even think they're getting the phone call. Right. I think it's because of Sean Payton's connection how long he's been that he did get the phone call. You don't think so. he deserved it? No, I do. I think he yeah. did. And he tried, but I thought that was enough. Right. Like, I didn't think they needed to come out and give some official statement and people have like been still like, what, 
get over it. Right. But I'm still, I'm still in the same thing. Get over it from the public standpoint. You'll never get over the loss. Right. Like that'll always bother you, but get over complaining about the call. No doubt. You know, um, Robert Kraft spoke yesterday about Tom Brady. Tom Brady's 41. He said he wants to play till he's 45. He said there's zero chance he's going to require, uh, retire. And so Robert Kraft said his quote was, well, think about it. The last three years, we've been privileged to go to the Super Bowl with a quarterback in place. I would be quite surprised if he didn't continue for quite a while as our quarterback and mention they could possibly have an extension for him as the top priority for the club this offseason. I'm like, duh. Yeah, we just blew the lid off of this one. Well, the thing is, too, he's one of the best bargains as a quarterback. When you look at salaries across the board, for the last five, six years, he's taken less money than a lot of other quarterbacks so they can spend it around the rest of the team. So, of course, they're going to extend him. Like, it's one of those things that makes news, and I'm like, well, yeah, it's the Captain Obvious there and Robert Kraft saying they're going to extend him. Um, his numbers there in that graphic, how, how, like, obviously, as you get older, you become, like, better mentally. Physically, you, at some point, you, you reach the apex, you start to decline. How much of the increase in production do you attribute to, like, the change in rules, a lot. Uh, the st- stylistically, <laughs> a lot. the way you're playing football, not necessarily because those. If you're just looking at those numbers, you'd be like, "Man, he's getting he's getting better." I don't, I don't know. He's necessarily getting better as much as like their game plans are opening up. It's more of a passing league now. The rules it's, are it's are benefiting passers and, and, all and offenses. Of it, all of it combined is why Brady's able to do this at his age. Because right. to, look, you, look, we sat at the bar last night. Yeah, you throw around Tom Brady's 41. We hear it all the time. Right. I hear it and I'm like, yeah, "All right, well, he's 41." I really thought about it last night. I'm 42 years old, Danny. Right. I can barely get out of bed most mornings. Like when <laughs> right. I get up from my leg is stuck in this position right now. When I go to move, when I'm we go to break, it's going to be this guy is out there in his Super Bowl at 41 years old. It's remarkable. It is. Do you think though? Because you and I both I'm a couple more years older than you, but I feel the same way. Like yeah. I think it's crazy. And he said he wants to play to 45. So that's I'm like looking at it like could I do it now? I'm like right. heck no. Do you think if you would have kept training and kept your body and physical? Because once you stop working out, you lose it really yeah, fast. It's, yeah. and it's harder to get back. I think he has that going for him a little bit, but still, it's it's out of the world impressive. No, it's a it's a good question. The big three contacted me to see if I want to play in the big three, right? Uh, and I'm debating whether I can get myself back right. in the type of shape that I would need to be in to play. So to your point, I don't really know. I think it would have been exponentially easier had I continued to train. But once you let it go, like it's you're now facing a. Like a, a, a battle that I've never had to face before. I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. And to your question, though, it's a combination of him being the greatest of all time, being one of the most accurate passers, him taking care of his body with right. the TB12 method and the kind of the the strict diet that he you know uh, prescribes to. There's the rules of the game. Yeah. And then there's the knowledge of the game where he knows his system like the back of his hand. So you, it's really hard to get pressure on him because he knows where to get the ball out. You can't hit him because the rules protect him. So... I think he can play till he's 45. And it'll be interesting. We, I was talking to, I think it was Warren Moon the other day. I was talking to him and he was saying, like, once you hit that wall and he played till he's 44. Right. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks forget. of all time. Yo, he was yeah. incredible. I think yeah. people, I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks of all time. And he said, like, once you hit that wall, you know, and it just drops off. I don't think you've seen even Brady come close to hitting that wall. And I don't know if it does just drop off the cliff. I think it might be a slow decline. It's a gradual thing. I think so too. It's definitely gradual I mean thing. even Bray or Peyton Manning who played, you know, so he's 38, 39, he was starting to gradually drop off and then like he got out the right time. Like he had a bad last season, but he was still able to win a Super Bowl and then he was able to ride off into the sunset. And the other good uh, you talked about the bargain that Brady's contract becomes, right? Like we talked about it a week and a half ago. Like you, you view the Patriots as like this old roster, right? 
they've done a pretty good job of getting getting young, like at positions to protect Tom Brady. Um, you know, they, they haven't really like running back positions. These are all positions that if you have in place, it, it extends Tom Brady's like shelf life as a quarterback. Do you know what I mean? So that they are kind of set up uh, for him to have success into the older years with him taking less of a load on his shoulders. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So uh, he's going to be around for a while, which is great. We get to keep watching him. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jared Goff, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he's doing. Uh, third year in the league, yeah, because, and I think specifically this week is when it's happening because he's in his third year in the league. And I don't know if you remember this. He was on hard knocks with Jeff Fisher as the head coach. And it was like widely thought around the league, like he's in over his head. He's going to be a bust and he had right. a rough rookie year. And then he totally turned it around and Sean McVay has helped him. And he's sitting here and he's put up amazing numbers through 2018. 32 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. I think he's been uh, overshadowed by a couple things. One, he's playing against the GOAT and Tom Brady, so that's a lot of what we're talking about. And also, the season that Patrick Mahomes had, like, really has been the majority of the conversation about the younger quarterbacks. But he's been tearing it up this season. I think he deserves more credit for getting his team to this point. Well, I think he deserves more regular season credit, potentially. But as it pertains to the playoffs, like, his numbers haven't been fantastic. Certainly in the fourth quarter, they haven't been fantastic, especially when his team's trailing. Uh, I think the stats that I was reading before the show, like, he hasn't thrown more than one touchdown pass in a playoff game in his career. Uh, and so there are some real, like, uh, achievements that he has to make in terms of being a playoff quarterback. Uh, and this, there's no bigger stage than the Super Bowl. I have this sneaky suspicion that this stage may be a little too big for him early in the game. I think you saw it in the NFC Championship game a little bit. You've talked about it. This one is even bigger. It's exponentially bigger than the last one, and I think there'll be some nerves. The question for Rams and for him is whether he can settle down and they can get him back to, like, you know, just being in the moment. But I think it's going to be a big stage for him. I think he may be overwhelmed early. I think you're right. I think the first quarter is immensely important for Jared Goff because I think it's going to be rough. I think he'll have a rough start, but... What, exactly what happened in the Saints game. He was able to settle down. McVay had him a couple easy passes. He was able to settle into it. The thing that's funny about him, he portrays the California cool. Because he's low, he's chill, he's laid back. But you know underneath the surface, it's got to be like his heart's beating a 1,000 miles sure. an hour. Even in the national championship game in college football, you saw Trevor Lawrence, who had an outstanding game. Remember his first few throws? Yeah, he was firing him like almost into the, the, like in the first row of the stands because he was so amped up. Everybody you've talked to this play in the game said you don't understand how big the moment it is and how intense it is and how much energy. I think that's why the start to the game is critical to him. So it'll be something definitely to keep an eye out for. And it's also game. something like you, you you talked about, you know, him not looking very good under Jeff Fisher, uh, and, and then you know obviously the success that he's had now under McVay. It's it's up to McVay and those play callers to get him in that rhythm, right? Like to force him into plays that are comfortable for him to help him find his rhythm in a game that otherwise could could have him rhythmless uh, because of the stage. It's, it's their job to protect him uh, and keep him in an environment that's safe and he, and he feels comfortable in. One of the best, see, I think the X factor in this game is Todd Gurley. Yeah. Like I think he, how his health is, how does he play, 
Because I think the moment that was, I don't believe the moment was too big from the NFC Championship to get a bad game, and I think he'll be fine. But I think they're going to try to give him the ball. But I also think Belichick knows that, and Belichick's going to try to take away Todd Gurley and say, "All right, Jared Goff, let's see what you got." And then he's going to be, and that's going to present some opportunities for him to throw on the outside to Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and to potentially make some big plays early in this game. And if he converts and if he hits on them, then that's. That's where you're going. Right. You know, uh, you know I, I watched him, like, uh, and, and I said he hasn't had success in the playoffs. That's just because what the numbers say. Right. But, like, eyeball test the, the, the night he lined up against Patrick Mahomes and they went at it and that, and that like, you know, shootout yeah, at the OK game. Corral. Like, he impressed me. Like, so yep. there, there is a level of talent and ability there. Um, I just really feel like you put him out there in a situation where he's not, like, able to do what he wants, not what we prepare to do all week, right? Like, because right. you know what you're going to prepare to do. Yes. If, if that gets taken away, and now he's off script early in a game like that, and you're already nervous. Does he handle that well? And the sample size and the games that I've had to watch, like as of late, spoken to the fact that he might he might shake a little bit in that scenario. And then again, it's how quickly he can get his feet back. I under think it. too something that's not talked about enough is they lost their communication through their helmet. That's they a had deal. a very serious issue in New Orleans, and it used to be that happened a lot more frequently. So you'd have a set of signals and you'd do stuff where you kind of had that backup plan. I think teams forget about it now. And it's a, it's like, it's like driving a car with a blindfold. Right. You literally don't know where you're going. And that is a huge issue if you have that problem. And I think that's what happened early in that game. It doesn't get talked about enough, but he was able to get out of it. Another thing is pressing too is he's done, he's had this year without Cooper Cup beside him. All right. Welcome back. Ken Ellen Bell hanging out here at the Georgia World Congress Center at the Super Bowl in Atlanta. Pleasure to be joined by Greg Olson. Man, what's going What's on, guys? Thanks How for are you doing? Me. Making the doing rounds? Good. Yeah. All right, so tell us what you're doing here with Coca-Cola Consolidated. So for the second year now, um, I've teamed up with Coca-Cola Consolidated for their Big Hearts Mini Cans program, and it's just a great way for us to get out of the community, um, kind of discover and find guy, people in the community who are giving back, who have big hearts, doing, you know, so it's, they've been a great partner of ours with our foundation personally, both in Carolina and, and across the country, and um just a great way to go out and identify those people that give back. Perfect. So it was funny because our producer wrote out some questions on a script to ask you. Okay. First one he had to ask was about your health, that your age, you know, you're almost getting up to be 34, you're getting up there. Almost, yeah. I asked you and then you got the walking boot on, like, so I how's I your body like, I'm like an up? old man right like, now. I, I've always believed that NFL, it's like dog years. Like, yeah. it's like, you know, it's one, one yeah. year is equivalent to seven. Yeah. You're getting up there. Like, you're getting to be I'm senior. like 85. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, how is your body am, hanging out? There's guys now that are getting drafted that... It's crazy. We're in like fourth grade when right. I got in the NFL. So it's, uh, I'm now that guy. You know, I'm the old guy that I never thought I'd be. But, you know, I had been lucky for 10 plus years. I had really no issues, didn't miss any games. Now the last two seasons, this foot has kind of been my issue. And hopefully this time now with the second surgery, we got it right. And hopefully we're on our way to kind of putting this behind us. Let me ask you about training, like, against an older player. I got, I kind of got injured, you know, as I was older and, and later in my career too. And training, Knowing that you have like potential injuries out there lurking, but still having to keep your body yeah. in tip-top shape to be able to perform, yeah. like how have you kind of flipped your training regimen? It's tough. And it? It's a great question. I think you know there's a fine line between. I always, I've always believed that if you train old, you're going to get old, right? Meaning, if you can't go in and do the same exercises, the same programs, the same day after day grind that you did when you were 25, if you start training like you're 34, it's amazing how all of a sudden now your body starts responding that way. So I've always tried to pride myself on making minor adjustments to be smart but for the most part do everything everyone else does right you know now as i'm getting to this point especially with my foot and we've had discussions about you know changing the amount of load during the course of the week and changing our schedule of how many field days to weight room days and 
kind of alter that just to try to take some load off yeah. your body. You know, talk about how much you weigh. Maybe you can lose a few pounds from what your normal playing weight is. You know, it takes some stress off your joints. So it's uh, that's definitely a factor. It's it's a good problem to have because it means you've played a long time, but it's definitely something you can't ignore. All right, I'm jealous of you because you're okay. you're doing something that I wish I had done as a player. Okay. You're broadcasting already. Like, you've already started your broadcast career before you've ended your playing career, which I think is genius. And I would tell every player to do the same, like get as many reps, yeah. make the connections that you've done. You've done a lot of studio work. You called your first game, right? Yeah. Which I think was the first time an active player had ever called yeah, a game. Yeah, there only been, I think, maybe two or three guys forever who had done it. Was it uncomfortable for you to have to criticize guys that you knew you might be facing? You know, my whole my whole take on that is I, I never criticized the guys, right? I never criticized them as players. I have a lot of respect for guys who play any sport at a high level, right? NBA, you know, NFL. But there, there are things that are done throughout the course of a game or in a studio show where there is criticism, so to speak, of style of play or effort, you know, whatever the case may be. But I, I try to always be careful to attack the guy because I know what it's like being on the other end of that. And if you're going to attack, my theory is you always got to be right. You know, you better make sure that the place of criticism you're coming from is is right. Because if you're not, you're just opening yourself up. But I've been really lucky to call games, do some studio work, work with a lot of different networks. Um, you know, so in that regard, I find, you know, I, I consider myself very fortunate. I want you to put your analyst hat on for a second because, uh, like, obviously, I want to talk about your alma mater. Like, my dad was there. Yeah. I'm a big Hurricane fan. Um, spent a lot of time with your father. Spent a lot of time with my dad, I bet. Um, you know, you got Manny back now. Yeah. Um, where do you think we're headed as a program? What, what do you think that's going to look you know, like? I don't know Manny well. Obviously, I just know him for what his, you know, the proof's been in his performance of his unit the last couple of years since he joined, uh, you know, Coach Rick's staff two years ago. You know, one of the top defenses in the country now. So, from that regard, I have a lot of confidence in what he's able to do. Obviously, he's a great coach. I think his connections to South Florida, I think his dad was like the mayor of Miami or yeah, grandpa. Yeah, no, or, or was it his dad? Yeah, I think it was his dad. Yeah, I mean, what what an incredible kind of connection that is to come full circle. So, you know, he's done a great job. I think getting the kid from Ohio State as a transfer was was a huge pull for them. they got to get that quarterback situation straightened out or else I don't care how good your defense is. So I, I, I do have confidence in him. I think he's shown he can do a good job. It'd be interesting to see what he can do now on the offensive side. What do you, uh, what's your level of concern? We talked about this a lot during the season when Cam was struggling with his shoulder. And like we, we were sitting there and Cam was even given a press conference. He's like, I don't even know what's going on. Yeah. Now he has the scope. He gets it cleaned up. What's your level of concern about his shoulder? Listen, it's tough. You know, the, his style of play is, is very, is very unique, you know, and that's what makes him special. It's what's made him so dynamic for eight years. Um, you know, but it comes with a, it comes with a price, but. You know, I think they're pretty confident from talking to him and talking to everyone else. It seems like they're pretty confident that what they did was what they needed. It was what was, you know, what was necessary. And, you know, we just got to hope he comes back as the cam. And I think all indications are that he should. It was relatively minor from what everyone said. And, uh, you know, I know he'll do the work this offseason to get himself ready come uh, training camp. How long did it take you guys to realize that Christian McCaffrey was the real deal? Like, because when he came out, there were some yeah. that were like, you know, maybe that was some sort of gimmick yeah. or, or Reggie Bush's type of situation. And he's put all that to bed. I mean, he's yeah. been really, really good. I think a lot of us, at least a handful of us, were pretty excited when we drafted him, seeing what he did in Stanford. Yeah. I think everyone looks at him and just assumes a certain role, a, suit, a certain style. But when you actually watch what he did in college, and now obviously it's translated to with us, he played a traditional eye-back, downhill, inside zone, gap scheme, running back 
who also could catch screens and could be out of the backfield and run routes. So it always started with him as a running back first, and I think now you've seen that transition. And we saw pretty early when he joined us, and not so much his physical talent as much as just he had the approach of a 10-year veteran from the day he got there. And you can just tell he grew up around the game with his father and his father's teammates and everybody. And uh, he's got a very unique outlook for a 22-year-old kid. It's uh, if you could bottle every single rookie coming out of college and have that mindset, you'd be in a lot better position. That's the problem. That so many guys have to grow up and learn what it takes to be a pro. And a lot of times, the process takes three or four. It took me like six or seven yep, years yep. before I really appreciated what it meant to put in the work. Yep. Come early, study extra film, and for guys that do it at that age, I always have so much respect for how they can do it at that age. Raja played in the NBA Finals. I had an NFL playoff experience, but never a Super Bowl experience. You did. How much different is it? Like, how do you how do you put you know, the words? Like, what's it? What's I remember it like? going into the going into the game the day after the NFC Championship. Right, you're on a crazy high. You just got you know you just win a big game. We were at home. We come in for the the next morning on Monday. We had our meetings to plan the travel for your families, and they're telling you about hotels and tickets. And that's when it kind of sinks in. And everyone tells you, you know, from guys who were on the team that had played in years past, it's different. The preparation. It's two weeks. Pace yourself. And it's real. It's it's a it is a real different experience. The the weeks leading up to the game, you know, you get a week of practice back home, you get a week of practice on location. The media interrupts, you know, your normal flow of your routine. Um, the pregame is longer. Halftime is longer. It, there is an advantage I feel for guys who have been there before. I feel like if we got a chance to go back again, we would be much more prepared mentally. And then as a result, physically to go out and have a better performance. How long did it take? Like, I was a nerves guy. Like, no matter what game I played in, like, there was always an element yeah. of nerves. They, yep. they went away uh, quicker in some games. Like, yeah. depending on the stage itself. Yeah. How long did it take you to settle into the Super Bowl? Oh, God. I feel like as a team, we never did. Yeah. I just feel like we really, we peaked two weeks too early. You know, we came off those two big games and we scored almost 80 points in two games against Seattle and, and Arizona, the two top defenses in the league. And we felt really confident going into that game. And, um, you know, hats off to Denver and, you know, Wade Phillips. So we'll see what his crack is now against Brady this week. But, you know, they, you know, we just really played poorly on offense. And we never fell into our rhythm. We got behind early with the, with the turnovers. And, you know, it's a game that I think when we all sit around every once in a while, we're like, man, what would you do to just get another crack at that game? Because, we did not put our best foot forward on the biggest stage, and you realize just how how precious those opportunities really are. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. Take care of the foot. Thanks, Get guys. better, man. Enjoy Appreciate the time. Tell your dad I said, hey. I will be. No <laughs> All right, guys. Keep no crushing it. Thanks. All right. Thanks on behalf of Coca-Cola Consolidated. All right. We got tight end edition oh, cool. from one to the next. <laughs> Greg Olson stepping aside in his spot. Travis Kelsey's going to sit down after they explain pleasantries. Travis, man, how you doing? What's up, man? Good, man. Good, man. No doubt. Good to see you. So how you feeling, man? Feeling all right? Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting over the, the woes, man, but uh, feeling good. Just trying to recover already and get ready for the next season, man. It's empty taste in my stomach and just trying to go out and get better and enjoy this week for what it is. One of the conversations that's been had, two of them, one has been the NFL needs to look at review because of the non-call. The other thing is because you guys didn't get a chance offensively to touch the ball is they should yeah. look at overtime rules. Would you like to see it change or do you think it's okay the way it is? Um, I mean, being in the situation that I was in, I would love for the NFL to kind of look at the overtime 
uh, rules. Um, maybe change it to where both teams get a chance to touch the ball, no matter if the team scores first or or whatnot. Uh, it's just I just saw that. <laughs> These pictures are hilarious. Um, but yeah, it's at the end of the day, you know, it, it wasn't just a coin flip that we lost on. It was a, it was a whole first half that we didn't play our best football. And, um, you know, that's what you got to kind of man up, live with that, and try and get better next year. So you guys offensively, obviously, were as good as anybody in the league. Um, talk to me about how you see that offense. Can you guys continue to grow? I mean, it's electrifying, but you did have a first-year starter as a quarterback. Like, what, yeah. What's that look like moving forward? I mean, the, I, don't know, I think the sky's the limit. I think we're past the ceiling. Uh, I mean, the, the, what Patrick Mahomes is, brings to this, uh, really the NFL, um, he's changing the game and how he's playing the game. Um, it's not just run game now. It's not it, everything is a dual read to where you can you can pass or run in the same concept. And um, I think nobody does it better than Pat does with his ability to be creative with how he throws the ball and how he's no looking the defense like he's a point guard going yeah, down yeah. the floor. You know, he's it's just it's an impressive uh, style of style of play. And I think um, getting everyone healthy. I mean, we we had a pretty big part of the year where uh, Sammy Watkins. Um, wasn't able to join us. Luckily enough, uh, we went into that last game and he played his tail off for us our last two games. But I mean, it's, um, I think next year having everyone healthy, maybe adding a few more pieces to the puzzle, um, I think is going to be uh, exciting to be a part of. I thought Andy Reid was crazy to trade away Alex Smith, consistent, get you there, good quarterback, been to the playoffs, and then he goes and trades him away. It's like all in with Patrick Mahomes. Was there any doubt? from you or anybody else in the team that whoa this is a little bit risky um i'm not gonna lie i thought i at first yes there it was a little bit i think more of the risk in my mind was when they drafted pat um you could kind of you kind of put the puzzles pieces to, together like we're gonna take a guy 10th overall um we want him to play now you know so i think uh seeing them take a first round pick that high trading up for him knowing that we have an all pro or all all world quarterback man it was uh it was a little interesting but i think once pat got into the building once he got into the locker room um it was easy from there i mean you could just understand how he 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 grew up and his father was a ball player so he grew up in the locker room he understands how to relate to guys um the competitive edge is there the determination is there um that every day the work ethic you could see how he he goes about his business is is top tier so i mean it's just, uh, I think next year it's uh, it's going to take its way to a whole nother level. And sure enough, I, I think Pat was the real deal the minute, uh, and everyone knew that the minute he got into KC. I want to ask you, I have two, I got two boys that are that are kind of the same age. They play a lot of sports together. Uh, what your relationship growing up with your brother? What was that household like? Were you guys oh, man. at each other? And oh, who's yeah. a better athlete at the end of the day? I'm not going to lie. At the end of the day, him being 280 pounds, yeah. being just about as fast as I am. I'll give the I'll give the pound for pound better athleticism to him. Okay. I mean, he's a he's a hell of an athlete, um, but because he was such a great athlete and competing with him nonstop growing up, I mean, everything you could think of. I mean, we're sitting there eating dinner, playing cards. It doesn't matter what it is, whether we're sitting down, we're outside running around playing video games. It was always competing at something, and um, even to this day, we we sit there and just play. Uh, like phone games back and forth all day, you know, it's just, it just never stops, and it's um it's without a doubt I'm not here if my brother isn't the the same competitor that I am, um and I've been fortunate to have him kind of walk the path before I got here. Got the better beard. I had to chop mine down. <laughs> no, no, it is trim. I'm not going to say I got the old spice beard deal, but I mean he, he, he had a good beard. He had That's a beard right. 
He's, he's definitely got that rolling. <laughs> when I just, I was just looking at this. You're the same age as Gronk. Yeah, you're 29. I, I think I'm uh, like a couple months younger than him. You look like you're doing way better than he is. Like, do you when you look at him? He talked about it the other day too about the toll that it's taking on your body. Yeah, people are speculating about his retirement already. Do you feel your body is holding up better, or you play the position differently? Like, why? Because I, I think it's obvious. Like, you watch film, you're running better routes, you look faster, you look fresher. Why do you think that is? Um, I honestly, I think everyone's different, man. And you got to be a very fortunate guy to get through this game. Uh, one injury free. I don't think that's ever been done. But two, to just be able to get out there and compete. Um, I know he, there's one thing to get some, get a knee or a shoulder done. I've had about nine surgeries. Uh, knee, shoulders, and abdominal, but I'm not, I haven't had anything back related. And I think that's that's some serious stuff when you're dealing with the stability in your back, um, and your neck, and things like that. I think that's a whole different gamut than than anything that I've been able to go through. But uh, you know, he's he's he'll go down as one of the best to ever play this position. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't matter when he retires. Uh, I just hope that when he does retire, he's he's okay with what he put out there and he's happy with uh, how his career ended. Uh, so obviously you broke records this year for you know receiving yards for tight ends and so on and so forth. But what makes a guy like Gronk as his peer? Like, w- what do you see in him that would make him hard to handle as a, as a DB or a, just how or big defender? and fast he is? I mean, he is he is literally uh, he's he's a Clydesdale when you walk up on him. I mean, he's, yeah. he's tall, uh, very strong human, big shoulders. He's got that bionic arm going. <laughs> right. You know, and it's it's hard it's hard to for a defender to to get a hold of him. Or, yeah. Um, and it's it, it just like I said, man. Just being strong in his routes, being able to power through guys that are in front of him, trying to hold him up, um, and then be able to accelerate, change direction with how big he is. I mean, that's a, that's an impressive feature. But actually, let me ask him another question because I see you got the uh, same we'll Vincent, yeah, we'll to Mary, right? Yeah. right back, Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland kid, Cleveland, Ohio. What, how are you feeling about the Cavs right now? Like, what do you right think? Now? Yeah, I mean, they're in this <laughs> weird spot. Are we tanking to try to get Zion? Like, what it's, do you think? It's um, it's 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 unfortunate, but we've been here before <laughs> we have been here before and um we i think we took the wrong pick i'm not i'm not gonna say who we picked but i think we took the wrong couple of picks there right, right. we were in this situation being uh at the bottom of the charts but i think it's um you know that's a, we we bounced back from that and won a championship so I, that's all i can have hope for i mean as, as a true clevelander and Cavs fans cleveland sports fan i mean I, that's all i can hope for is just the, you know you keep on believing baby that's what's up tell us what you've got going on with emergent bio solutions yeah, so I'm, I'm here partnering with uh, Merton Biosolutions. Um, Narcan is a is a is a take home nasal nalox, naloxin that is uh, that's helping out the opioid crisis that's going on in America right now. Uh, talking about being from Cleveland, Ohio has got previously has been labeled as um, they've had the most overdose opioid overdose deaths uh, in the in the nation, and I think. Um, I just want to be uh, use my platform to spread awareness about that. Um, the, the opioid crisis is real. Um, just talk to your pharmacists about using these medications. Um, it is a very serious deal. I think the lack of education is, is part of this problem. Um, so just getting more aware about it. Uh, having this Narcan product uh, around if you are using uh, these type of opioids or this type of medicine or, or if your friends or family are using them, uh, just having it in a first aid kit can save a life. Awesome. Great stuff, man. Definitely an important message. we got to get out there. Appreciate it, man. Enjoy the offseason. Fun deal, man. You guys are good guys. Take it easy, Travis. Good talking to you, man.